Shalom. Shalom. We are back, and hopefully this time we have sound. Uh, something was wrong with our other video system, so we went to the standby uh, iPhone system, which uh, will accomplish the purpose we have. Uh, thank you. If you are watching the other one, please just know that we're continuing on. Uh, we're in Romans chapter 7 tonight. We're going to start by jumping back to Romans 26-22 so that everybody can catch up where we are. Romans 6-22 is a continuation of what we talked about last week that really deals with the understanding that we are set free from sin, but that doesn't mean we're set free to sin. We're set free from sin so that we're enslaved to God and walk in His ways, follow His footpath do what he said to do. The outcome of doing that is eternal life. The scripture says, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And so we have to understand that we have an obligation to walk according to the ways of the Lord, that his uh, gift of the Ruach was given so that we could have the power to do that. And sin's payment is death, but God's gracious gift is eternal life in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. So then we continue on, Romans 7, 1 continues with that thought. So it's not a separate thought, it's continuing on from there. It says, or do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I speak to those who know law, that the law is master over a person as long as he lives. Now, again, he's talking to people who understand law, both Roman law and Jewish law. So they understand this concept of what law does and how we're ruled by law in our lives in the world uh, and that the law is a master of a person as long as he lives in, in our lives uh, as believers the law was a master over us as long as we live and then it goes on to say for the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives but if the husband dies she is released from the law concerning the husband now this is a reference by the way to Messiah Yeshua and the body of believers. We are the married woman, so to speak, and then the death of our husband, which is is uh, not Messiah, but then released so that we can marry Messiah. In other words, we were a pro, uh, a owned by or possessed by and had to be redeemed from the world to Messiah Yeshua. So we had to die to the old so that we could marry the new. Does that make sense? And so it's important for us to understand the context of what he's saying here is we were subject to the law. And by the way, that's not just the law of Rome or the law of Israel, the, the Torah, but it's also the law of life, the, the, just our bodily life and, and the flesh and things of the flesh uh, that, that we are uh, ruled by or mastered over as long as we live. But once we become the bride of Messiah, that changes. Now, that doesn't do away with the law. In other words, if my wife, God forbid, was to uh, pass away and I was to remarry somebody, all of the laws that surrounded my life wouldn't go away just because I married somebody else. Likewise, if you get a parking ticket or a speeding ticket and you go pay that ticket, that doesn't mean you can park anywhere you want without any uh, problems or you can speed from then on because once you pay the ticket, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> if, you know, you got caught, you paid the ticket, okay, now you can speed everywhere you want to, go as fast as you want to, you're not under. 
Well, likewise, it doesn't mean that laws are done away with. The laws of husband and wife, the laws of marriage, the laws that are involved in community, the laws that we live by are still in force. We're just under them with a new spouse in a different way. And so it's important to understand that this is not saying that the law goes away. It's just that which was in company to our previous marriage is done away with, and now we have a new marriage that we live within. So then, if she is joined to another man while her husband is living, she would be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's freed from the law, so she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. We have to die to sin so we can marry Messiah. We have to die to sin so we can live uh, newness of life. And it's important, there are a lot of people who are in adulterous relationships with Messiah. Because they're holding on to their previous marriage, their previous relationship, and they're trying to live in, kind of one foot in the body of believers and one foot outside of the body of believers. Trying to live with one foot in the, in the kingdom, one foot outside of the kingdom. Those that are trying to live their old way while claiming a relationship with Messiah Yeshua. And again, this is one of those things that we realize that the commandments that our life and how we live in Messiah is important and is valuable in how we do that. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you were also made dead to the Torah through the body of Messiah, so that you might be joined to another, the one who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. And again, when it talks about dead to Torah, it's not saying the Torah is dead. It's saying that the commandments that dealt with our relationship, we become dead to so that we can be joined to another. Uh, and it's so important that we understand this concept because this same concept is used to explain other things throughout the scriptures. For instance, when it talks about in Hebrews, the change of priesthood, the change of the law, it doesn't mean that the law was done away with. It meant because we have a different priesthood, the law is enacted under his governing, under his uh, place as an intermediary, under his place as the one who serves God for us, make sacrifice for us, take care of things for us. It's not that the law is done away with, it's that we now have a priest after the order of Melchizedek instead of after the Levitical priesthood. But that doesn't do away with the law, it changes because we now have a different high priest. Likewise, things change because we have a different husband, but that doesn't do away with the law. And it's important for us to understand that because people will use these verses to say the law is done away with, because we're believers. That's not what happens. It doesn't happen in biblical and it doesn't happen in life. If, if you get married to somebody, it doesn't do away with all the law. If, you, if your husband or your wife passes away and you marry somebody else, it doesn't do away with all the laws. It just changes who, what were you accountable to in the previous marriage to what you're accountable to in the new marriage. Does that make sense? Okay, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you were made dead to the Torah through the body of Messiah so that you might be joined to another, the one who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. And the end of that verse is important because we're not just joined to another and that's it and he does everything. We are still responsible to bear fruit 
for God. We're still responsible to serve, to do, to share, to reach out, to spread the good news, to live lives that are bearing fruit, good fruit. Romans 7, 5, for when we were in the flesh through sinful passions that came through the Torah, were, uh, that, that came through the Torah working in our body parts to bear fruit for death. And again, this is not saying that Torah causes sinful passions or that working Torah was uh, fruit for death, but it was that before we, we were born again, before we were born anew, when we were in the flesh, the Torah only could show us our sin. It didn't show us the fullness of redemption because the fullness of redemption doesn't become clear until the coming of Messiah. So all we could see was we were caught up in sin. And there's a lot of people that you talk to that feel like they're bound in sin and, and addictions. We, now we call everything addictions. It used to be just called sin in many cases. But people are addicted to pornography and they're addicted to this and they're addicted to that. When the reality is they're just giving up to sinful passions. Now those passions are powerful. Matter of fact, uh, sexual and moral sin is so powerful that the scripture actually says there's times when you have to pray that that person would be turned over to the enemy so that their soul might be saved. That's how powerful these things are. But it's not that the Torah is bad or the commandments of God are bad. The scripture says they're good and they're easy and they're things we can follow. But when we were in the flesh... All the Torah showed us was our sin. But once we become born again, we can not only see the sin, but our release from that. It goes on to say, but now we've been released from the law, having died to what can find us, so that we might serve in the new way of the Ruach and not the old way of the letter. And again, we're still talking about being released from the law, but then it says we're still serving. How do we serve? We serve according to what the scripture tells us, according to Torah. But it's a new way, not the old way of just following the letter of the law. I remember uh, growing up and, and listening to all of the binding laws that were added to not only the, the 613, but the binding laws that the rabbis had added to help us to have fences around the 613 and how much that was this old way of following every letter and making sure we didn't do anything that violated any little part of the commandment or even could be seen as violating a little part of the commandment. The letter of the law brings death. It is bondage to just be trying to serve God because there's a rule list. If it's not about relationship, if it's not about love, if it's not about being filled with the Ruach, then you're just doing stuff that's dead. The letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. And we need to understand that. That doesn't mean we don't serve anymore. It doesn't mean we don't follow His ways. It's just we do it in the new way of the Ruach, of the Spirit, of, of God's grace and His love in our lives and the power of that and the joy of doing that. Um, it's one of the things that people uh, wrestle with a lot in obedience, you know, in our world, in the Messianic world, uh, when people talk about, well, I don't know that I can be Messianic because uh, it's usually things like because I can't give up shrimp or pork or whatever, or because of Sabbath or because of these things.
But when you go to the greater body of Messiah, a lot of that is caught up in giving. And, and you know, I just couldn't give 10% of my income, or I couldn't do this, or I couldn't do that. Someone recently uh, was blessed, one of our congregants was blessed with having sold a house that they owned for quite some time. And as a, now as a, as a believer and living for the Lord and, and having a community they're a part of, and they were just so excited to come in and say, Rabbi, I, I sold my house and now I get to give this. I've never given this much money before. To, to, and she was just so full of joy. Now, the money was exactly the same as she would have given without being spirit-filled, without being connected with the community. Following the letter of the law, people say, well, I have to pay my tithes, or I have to give to, you know, it's, it's almost misery. And it's doing exactly the same thing. The difference is whether it's your heart or not your heart, whether it's something that's led by the Ruach or not led by the Ruach. And the same thing with, you know, marriages. People who have uh, been in marriages, sometimes they'll say, well, our marriage has gotten stale or cold or dry. The people are the same. The relationship is, is there, but there, it's, it's now become the letter. Well, I'm married. I have to do this or I have to do that. <clears throat> Rather than what it was when, you know, newlyweds and all were, <clears throat> it's I get to do this. I get to show my love by doing this. <clears throat> and those are important things than getting the flowers for somebody or, you know, I, I've had people who say, <clears throat> I'd get flowers for my wife, but then I'd have to stand in line to do it or, you know, think. I mean, it's just the things that people do. God forbid. But it used to be that those people would stand in line for hours to do that because they knew the joy it would bring when they showed the... <coughs> the other day, my wife loves pens. And I know it seems some things are seem small to people, but she loves pens. And I got a little pen, and you know, we get pens from these pen companies that send us samples. There was one that came in that had the four colors, and the little stylus, and it was really pretty, and I carried it around just waiting till I saw her so I could give her this pen, because I knew how much joy just having that pen was gonna bring her. And all day long, I thought, I can't wait to give her this pen. I carried it around with me the whole day, saying, I can't wait to give her this pen, because I knew how happy she would be. But if it wasn't that I absolutely adore my wife, which I do, it would be just dragging around something else that was in my pocket and carrying it around all day. Same thing with <coughs> serving the Lord. I'm sorry about this cough. I don't have any Yeah, answer. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's about doing it from the Ruach, being led by love and relationship and desire to be a blessing. We can do almost anything if it's done from the right motivation. But everything can be miserable if it's done from the wrong motivation. Okay. What shall we say then? Is the Torah sin? And again, going back to the previous verse, where it talks about sinful passions came through the Torah, and now we come to the next verse, and it says, what shall we say is the Torah sin? So he's clarifying to make sure that there's no misunderstanding about what he's saying. And he says, is the Torah, uh, what shall we say, is the Torah sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have known sin, except through the Torah, if I would not have known about coveting, if Torah had not said, you shall not covet. 
In other words, he said, I wouldn't have known I was sinning if it wasn't for the Torah telling me I was. And here's the thing. Nobody comes to God repentant unless they know they've sinned. There's no reason to be repentant if you think you're all right. We talk to people all the time and they say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a believer, I'm okay with the Lord, I'm good to go, all that. And until somebody tells them or shows them where there's some way they need to adjust or, or do better, they don't understand. And so he uses an example, he says, for I wouldn't even know about coveting if the Torah had not said, thou shalt not covet. But sin taking an opportunity worked in me through the commandment, all kinds of coveting. For apart from Torah, sin is dead. And again, it says sin taking opportunity worked through me and through the commandment and all kinds of coveting. There, here's a, in my life at least, when I see something in my life that I'm doing wrong, something that's sin, something I need to change direction, and I start to seek the Lord about it, normally what happens next is all kinds of opportunities to commit that sin. It's like almost like the enemy is saying, yeah, let me, let me see if you're really going to do this. Kind of like when... Awareness. Yeah. It's kind of like when you say, I'm going to fast today. Invariably, someone will invite you to breakfast or lunch or dinner, or someone will bring a cake to where you work, or cupcakes or something. Invariably, as soon as you say, I'm going to do this, there's opportunity to fail at doing that. And fasting is one of those examples. I cannot tell you the number of times that I've said, I'm going to fast today, and immediately I get a text message or a phone call, or somebody sends me an invite to lunch or dinner. Or call, you know, all their email comes. Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Let's go to lunch. It always challenges your commitment to do something godly. And so that's what he's talking about. It says, but sin taking opportunity to work through me through, uh, through me through the commandments, all kinds of coveting. In other words, when I tried not to covet, opportunity presented itself to covet. For apart from the Torah, sin is dead. In other words, if there wasn't a Torah, we wouldn't know what sin was. Sin wouldn't be an awareness in our lives. But once I was alive, apart from the Torah, but when the commandment came, sin came to life. So he's saying, once I was alive, apart from the Torah, in other words, I didn't just follow a list, now I followed a lifestyle. I didn't just follow the 613 commandments, I followed the two commandments that encompassed all of them. I love God, I love people. My heart changed. And now... Uh, but when the commandment came, sin came to life. I realized what sin was, and I died. What a powerful statement. That when we get right with the Lord, when we come alive in Him, we die to self. Then it becomes easier to do those things that we should do. The commandment meant for life was found to cause death. Sin taking an opportunity through the commandment deceived me and threw it. It killed me. In other words, there are a lot of people who, uh, especially when they come to Messianic Judaism, start seeing all the commandments and then they start becoming so worked up with keeping the commandments that they forget everything else. And then we become judgmental. We become comparers. 
The easiest way to destroy a community is to start comparing who's more observant, who's doing it right, who's doing... Uh, uh, Gabe uh, Rutledge from Dothan Messianic shared a teaching, and I encourage you to watch it or listen to it. Uh, the teaching was primarily about the sacred name and all the ramifications, but a big part of it was dealing with the fact that a lot of those things are influenced by a desire to be better than other people, more holy than other people, to know something everybody else doesn't know, to be doing something that you can look down on other people because I'm doing this and that makes me more righteous and more holy than you are. And I know the sacred name and I, you don't know this or I know that, you know, and, and we do that with lots of things. We, sometimes we do it with kashrut. We look down at people who aren't eating kosher, or we look down at people who aren't keeping the Sabbath, or, aren't, or who are doing it. I got an email this week, and I hope that people are watching, because I'm going to answer their question on Shabbat also, uh, but talk a little bit about it. But he asked me, he said, uh, basically, I'm interested in your congregation, but I need to know, do you forbid people from celebrating Christmas or having a Christmas tree? And that's a real thing to some people, that somebody would... Forbid. Let me say, while I don't celebrate Christmas and we don't promote it, we also don't have Christmas police. <laughs> you know, we don't have people that are going around searching, looking through your windows, seeing you have things. And if you have a Christmas tree, you can't be part of our congregation. You can't be part of our community. We leave those things up to God to inspire the hearts of people and lead them to make decisions whichever way they go. But there are those that think, well, Christmas, evil, oh, I'm better than you, I'm more righteous because I don't have a tree, I don't have this. When the reality is, and listen when I say this, if you're judgmental and hateful in that way, you're worse off than the person that might have something in their life that is not perfectly aligned with how God would have us to do. And we need to be aware of that, that the, that holier-than-thou attitude that sometimes we get is deadly. And it's the death that this is talking about that takes it deceived me and it killed me. When we become so dogmatic about our righteousness instead of about his righteousness, when it becomes about our being right as compared to other people, uh, that's the same as being on a mountain cliff, you know, and you climb up and you look down and there's people that are climbing up there and they're not making it. And you look down and you go, well, I made it. Instead of helping them up, you know, instead of pulling the rope and trying to help out here. Well, if you were really doing what you're supposed to, you'd be up here with me. I made it. You can make it too. Uh, but that's how we do spiritually. We look down at people instead of helping them up. Instead of encouraging them with love, we become dead because of it. Verse 12. So then the Torah is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. I love verse 12. <laughs> because until we get to verse 12, you could actually think just reading this, Torah bad, grace good. You know? Torah bad, ruach, spirit good. But it says, so then the Torah is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Therefore, did that which is good become death to me? May it never be. And again, he's saying... We can't let what God gave us for good become bad. We can't let our, our blessings. I've seen so many people that let God's blessings become curses in their life. 
And, and an example of, and I'm not saying this is God's blessing, I don't know how all this stuff works, but if you looked at the number of lottery winners that just a few years later are broke on the street worse off than they were when they won the lottery, it's because they let what they got become a curse to them. There are people that start to have businesses that prosper, and then they get so busy they stop serving God because they're too busy doing their job. Let your curse become, or your blessings become a curse. Therefore, did that which is good become death to me? Does the commandments that give life, did they become something that gives death? May it never be. Rather, it was sin working death in me through that which is good, so that sin might be shown to be sin, and that through the commandments, sin might become utterly sinful. I know that's a lot of words all in a circle, but basically it just says that when I let my keeping the commandments uh, become sinful because it can then it, it, it runs that thing but when we see that sin might be shown to be sin so that we can through the commandment uh, get over it and sin goes there so in other words you can keep God's word and be sinning doing it. not that keeping God's word is sin but we can keep it in a sinful way. And it's and through the Torah and through the Ruach, the Spirit, we see that. It gets revealed. And we understand that how utterly sinful it was for us to become that self-righteous and self-holy and judgmental and comparing. That is like one of the worst things we can do. Is compare our walk to other people. And 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 one of the reasons is that when I compare myself to Jerry, I only compare myself to Jerry's bad stuff. I never compare myself to Jerry's good stuff. I never look at that and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Jerry's worse than me because he does this, 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 this. We don't ever, our flesh doesn't let us go, well, Jerry's better than me in this, 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 and I'm worse. It is always looking at it to compare, to see. And Jerry may be good at 90 things. And I'm not ready to mention any of them or compare myself to them. All I'm going to compare to is Jerry's things. And then I can feel better about myself in the comparison and say I'm holier than Jerry. Even though I might be doing 10% instead of 90 and he might be doing 90 instead of 10. It's utterly sinful. And let me say this, that Judaism pre-Messiah was never designed to be that. God's Torah was never given so that we could compare ourselves, so that we can be self-righteous. We see that teaching against that all the way through the Torah. This isn't a New Testament thing that suddenly we get filled with the Spirit and suddenly we can have good attitudes. This is God's way all the way along. It was just perverted because of self-righteousness and those things. What people call Pharisaic now. Although, when they do that, they don't understand that there were a whole bunch of Pharisees that were good people. That loved the Lord and served the Lord. But we, we take that term Pharisees. They're Pharisaic. They're self-righteous. So, well, you know, the, the scripture in the book of Acts 
says, and the Pharisees which believed. They didn't stop being Pharisees. They continued to be Pharisees. They were just believers who were Pharisees. Being a Pharisee doesn't mean you're self-righteous or hypocritical. There were just Pharisees that were hypocritical, but not all of them. Just like there are Messianics that are hypocritical. There are Christians that are hypocritical, but not all of them. For we know that the Torah is spiritual. Wait a minute, the Torah is letter, it's death. It's, no, the Torah is spiritual. But I'm of the flesh sold to sin. For I do not understand what I'm doing, for what I do, uh, for what I do want, not want, this I practice, and what I hate, this I do. But if I do what I do not want to do, then I agree with the Torah that it is good. Circular. <laughs> Just kind of goes up. All it's saying is that the Torah is spiritual and the flesh is not. And if you try to keep the Torah in the flesh, the end result is sin. Period. It doesn't matter how good you keep it. If you're doing it in the flesh, it's bad. And he says, what I want to do, I can't, this I, I just can't do. And what I hate, this is what I do. Anybody ever feel like that? You know, I want to do right, but then this person showed up. You know, I had everything going on. What's the old statement? I, okay, Lord, you know, it's a beautiful day. You've given me, but in a minute, I'm going to get out of bed. <laughs> and then I'm going to need your help. Uh, you know, it, it's just the way it is. We fight against that. So now it is no longer I doing it, but sin dwelling in me. In other words, the sin overcame, overwhelmed me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that's in my flesh. For the will is present in me, but the, to do good is not. Without the Spirit of God, we don't have the power or the ability to do good. You just can't do it in the flesh. It's just not possible. For the good that I want, I do not do, but the evil that I do not want, this I practice. Because if you're trying to do it from the flesh, that's the only outcome you can have. Okay. Periodically, I think, did I click the clicker? Um, yes. 15 minutes. Okay. But if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I doing it, but sin that dwells in me. So I find the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I delight in the Torah of God with respect to the inner man. And again, verse 22, I delight in the Torah of God. It's not bad. It's not evil. It's not something we shun. It's not something that God gave us the ability to overcome and be set free from. It's an understanding that it's not our flesh. It, 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 it's sin dwells in our flesh. But we can overcome it through the power of God of God. But I see a different law in my body parts, battling against the law of my mind and bringing me into bondage under the law of sin, which is in my body parts. Miserable man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? All Paul's saying is, my flesh still wants to sin. And if we're honest, every one of us battle the flesh every day. If you don't think that's true, you just wake up and step on something on the floor and see how you respond. Get up late, get into the car, start driving and see how you act with the other drivers. 
let somebody come in at the moment when you're having a, you know, and just say something at the wrong time. See how you respond. Sin is present in our flesh. It is a constant battle. I used to laugh when they had the cartoons where you had the person and there was a the little devil on one shoulder and the little angel on the other shoulder and the, the little devil saying, you should do this. And the little angel saying, no, you should do this. And it goes back and forth. That's more real than we give credit for. The enemy is constantly speaking to our flesh. And God's spirit is constantly speaking to our spirit. And we're in a constant battle. My flesh wants to do this. My body wants to do that. I wrestle with it all the time. If, if you don't think you wrestle with this, just get on Facebook. Read some of the posts. I cannot tell you how many times I have to say, Lord. You know, because I want to respond. I want to say something. Somebody says something done. There was somebody today on the men's conference post uh, we have the upcoming men's conference in, in May uh, and somebody posted are we going to have pork for or, or roast ham what's it pork what, how do you cook a ham baked ham are you going to have baked ham for lunch and I was like why in the world would somebody even say that and then I had this moment you're going to answer him you know you're, and you're going to get all we keep kosher how you going to just and I was just going to and 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 I said, you know what? Delete. <laughs> you know, I don't have to let that overcome me. I can have a good day even with somebody doing that. I can listen to the Lord who says, don't do this. And I've said before, I have a whole drawer full of emails and letters. I, when somebody does something, I write down what I want to write. And I take it, print it out, put it in a drawer. And the next day I pull it out and I read it. And I say, do I really want to say that? And almost never do I. Prayer, allowing the Spirit to take charge, not just responding to the flesh. All of those things are important. Thanks be to God. It is through Messiah Yeshua our Lord. So then, with my mind, I myself serve the Torah of God, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Again, he is not speaking against Torah. He says, with my mind, I serve the Torah of God. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Torah of God, law of sin. Same book. It's our response to it. It's our response to it. You can give money grudgingly, sin. You can give money freely, law of, uh, Torah of God. You can... Get up at 2 o'clock in the morning to drive somebody to the hospital or something and be aggravated and angry and frustrated. Love sin. Somebody can call and need help and you can get up and joyfully get dressed and drive them to the hospital. Torah of God. Same thing. We change it. Paul never spoke against Torah. He spoke against bad Torah. That's the same thing I get so frustrated every time I see one of those stupid memes or stupid statements. I have relationship. I don't have religion. Well, there's nothing wrong with religion. There's just something wrong with bad religion. Pure religion is something good. 
and encourage. It's visiting the poor, going to prisons, taking care of the widow and orphan, doing things that God would teach. Love God, love your neighbor. That's religion. It's bad religion that's bad. Torah is good. It's freeing. It's easy. It's not a burden. Bad Torah is all of those things. It's about our heart. It's about how we have a relationship with God. And it goes back to all the same things. I, I cannot tell you. I've been married almost 40 years now. And there are times last night, my wife said, sitting in the living room reading, she said, hey, do you want to come help me with the dishes? Now, I can tell you, in my flesh, no. I don't know that anybody ever says, man, I can't wait to do the dishes. I've been waiting all day long just so I could get up and do the dishes. It's the top thing. I'd rather do dishes and go fishing and hunting and swimming. and go to, If I could just do dishes, I'd never go to Disney World again. Nobody ever says that. But I joyfully got up and helped her because it wasn't about the dishes, it was about her. And so my heart was different. And that's the way serving God. It doesn't matter what commandment it is. If you do it from the right motivation, from the ruach, from the spirit, then it's good and it's the Torah of God. But if you do it grudgingly or begrudgingly or under burden or under fear. If I don't do this, I'm going to go to hell. I just have to do this because I'm afraid of God. That is not the right motivation for doing anything in the Torah. And so, as we read through here, we see more and more and more Paul's understanding that Torah isn't bad. Bad Torah is bad. And we get apply that to our lives. And when we get that right, then we understand True grace, true love, true service, true walking with him, true freedom, because we're freed from the old man, and we walk in that freedom to serve the Lord. We'll continue with chapter 8 next week. I hope everybody will be back and tune in, and hopefully we'll have the, uh, the Nevo up and running again so that we don't have uh, technical problems. Are you Thank speaking you. questions? Yes. Yeah. After you come back.